Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So I got to say, the GOT bets from last week did not turn out too well for me. Uh, luckily, one of them didn't turn out too well for you. Uh, we were pretty sure that we weren't going to see any dragons. How'd, uh, how'd that turn out? I mean, did we see, spoiler alert, four dragons? I was just going to say that. I think there's a good chance that, that we saw four. I, there's, a good, there's a question about whether the White Walkers know, retain any of their memory. It is, yeah. There's a there is the question of that. Well, the White Walkers definitely do. The Whites, the Whites don't. Well, the, no, they they might though because they were able to get through the gate. Remember the ones that got through the gate and um, tried to kill Commander Mormont. They That's must have true. known something. So, but wait, you just buried the lead though. You think that the White Walkers remember who they are, so that the Stark, who they presumably turned into the Knights King, you think he knows that he's just beating the shit out of some other Starks. All right, we're going to get contentious really fast here. The Bolton, who is the Night King? You mean? Uh, you mean the Bolton, who's the Night King? You've been drinking the Northern Kool-Aid here, but... <laughs> I mean, it's clearly a Bolton, <laughs> who's the Night King, not a Stark. Uh, You know, let's put a long-term bet on that one. <laughs> we'll put the long-term... Yeah, sure. You want to... I would say, you know, we should really just have it be Stark... Bolton, the field. Yep, I, I think so. I think so. Stark, Bolton, or the field. I agree. I'm taking Stark on that one. But you know what you didn't lose in style? Way to go pushing it on the one flaming sword that you picked the over. That was so interesting there. Uh, it was kind of like man. light. They kind of even had like the Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, like the bounce to them when they got the flame going. But, oh, yeah, we're ready. That was a pretty good scene, I have to say. As soon as Thoros's went, I was like, ooh, all right. We, uh, we also have a couple topics here to wax poetic about. I'm going I'm to let you go first. What do you want to talk about? All right, I'm going to pick one. Let's talk about cold hands. Why talk about cold hands? Go ahead. You know, this is, this is your time. Sorry, you go. Let's talk about how pointless it was that Benjen Stark had to be the one who came in okay, good. when you thought that Jon Snow was going to die. The son that he was supposed to have, Jon Snow, on the wall, just saving him one time. I'm so glad you agree that that was entirely pointless. Though, the not to barge in on your wife's poetic topic, but are you familiar with the uh, the statement that George R. R. Martin has said that Cold Hands is not Benjen Stark? I have not, but I mean, there are a lot of, let's just say there are a lot of positions that are being multitasked in this universe. <laughs> Right, that's that's really true, and there's, uh, I mean, this sort of gets into all of the problems that are maybe happening with this season, and that's that's actually going to be my topic, is just how out of character everybody is acting in this season, mm. mm-hmm. and I'm going to just draw on the Arya example that, that you highlighted here. What is she doing? She goes and becomes one of the world's foremost assassins, and now she comes back and she like 
gets caught by Littlefinger. Yeah, she's caught in a Littlefinger lie. Like, what is going on here? But then she gave that knife back. What was, it, what was the point of that? To remind her sister, like, what's up? Or was that a threat? Man, I have no clue what the knife thing was. Because, I mean, if you're in the on the book side of things, you know that it was Joffrey who put out the order to kill Brendan Stark. Yes. But, like, in the show, it's still, there's still this kind of little finger mystery, whether it was him. It, yeah, it is weird. Also, Arya, just, everyone's got to just stop passing that priceless dagger around. Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> the only one that's ever really, like, been in awe of it was Brienne, was like, wow, I know. that's a... That's a Valyrian steel dagger. You should probably be really excited to own that, Arya. <laughs> it's in one of Sam's books. It's in one of the books yeah, in the Citadel. Yeah, it's one of the books. Like, guys, come on. Get your head in the game. Man. Uh, that is so weird. The least gamble on that thing. Like, gamble that for something. The last piece to talk about with Game of Thrones is setting the new over-unders coming off of our, uh, I don't know, mid-range showing last week. All right, let me get mine first here. Ice dragon coming back, or I guess the undead dragon. We don't know if it's ice necessarily. Is there going to be above or below room temperature breath? You got to give me the over or the under here. I got to go under. Got to go under here. I got to go under too. It definitely uh, is going to be cold. All right, all right. My over under is is going to concern Cersei and Jamie, And it is how many... Men, does Jamie accuse Cersei of sleeping with? Ooh. Over under at a half. A half man. So, therefore, therefore Tyrion is a push. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm, I'm going over. I gotta go over. You're gonna go over? Oh, you, you think it is? Okay. Alright, wow. Uh, I'll go under just for, just for conversation. Just, just for kicks here. Alright, well, on to fantasy baseball. This week... Eric is going to dig deep into our history and look at a reevaluation of our league's draft. And then I'm going to talk about age curves, but for hitters this time instead of pitchers. So take it away, Eric. All right. So now that we are through our regular season, I know that many of you are still in the midst of yours. I think it's a good time for reflection. And what better to reflect upon than our draft? We spent a lot of time in the preseason discussing and evaluating the draft, which players were reaches, which players were steals, which players were good value, but perhaps on the wrong teams. But most of our talk was just that, talk. So we're going to go through our draft results, take a look at them, and talk about the good and the bad picks. I think this will be a great example for many of you out there to highlight some of the people that people were pontificating were going to be good and didn't turn out well, and then some that surprised us, and then some of the guys that, you know, were just good, solid picks that, that panned out. So, Mike, why don't we start with this? Why don't you uh, name one player that you remember thinking was a really good draft pick by someone in our league? And let's take a look at that guy and, and how that ended up panning out. Am I allowed to pick one of my own, or is that, is that a no-go? Sure, why not? What, start with your own. All right. My, my one at the time that I felt good about and I thought it was going to be a straight steal, and I think it has been, is Lorenzo Cain. Lorenzo Cain. Yeah, no. You got Lorenzo Cain what would have been 
the end of the what is that? end of the sixth round? Yeah, we rated that very highly. Preseason ranking was a five for five. Remember, we had this system where we were trying to see um, a look at the different pundits, comparing the pick against the different pundits, whether it was good or bad pick, CBS, Fantasy Pros, ESPN, etc. And right now, as of right now, what I'm doing is ranking our picks in our league as either a one or a zero binary system, good pick, bad pick. <laughs> I'm giving it 12 pick wiggle. So that is to say if someone, let's go with um, Lorenzo Kane. So he was picked what is essentially number 130. Wow. So he, he's got a wiggle of 12. So if he, if he is better in the rankings than 142, then that's a good pick. Otherwise, it's a bad pick. And right now he's sitting, and according to CBS, at number 48. So good job by you, Michael. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But what what's your favorite pick? What do you feel the best about? Uh, well, well, I guess if you're going to go with your team, why don't I go with um, why don't I go with my team? You know, I think I got a lot of poo poos when I picked him, <laughs> but uh, Mr. Adam Jones. I I knew that's where you're going. I just knew that's where you're going. Yeah, I picked him number ninety two. That was uh, and that was ahead of where. Average ADP, average draft position, he was going. And right now, he's ranked number 80, according to CBS. So, great pick. Now, why don't we talk about someone that we both poo-pooed. And according to this binary system, you poo-pooed him a little bit harder than I did. I thought that it was just playing a reach. Rysel Iglesias. Uh, I know. Overall, he's picked number 72. Right now, he's at 141, but you were kind of animating that he wasn't worth being drafted in general, almost, with the vehemence that you had. The other one that I was worried about, or that I've been thinking about, are the the early draft catchers, and I'm specifically looking at Gary Sanchez here. Yep. That was a that was one that I was pretty mean about for a while as well. <laughs> you were, and, and he was picked number 73rd overall in our league. Um, I think that was a little. That was around where the ADP was. There's a huge um, standard deviation there. Right. Right now he's at 81. Mm-hmm. I mean that tells you. I think that tells you more about the the catcher position than anything else. There's some real. I mean, but there's some real value there, as as somebody who uh, has gone on the record loving to talk about catchers. That yep, that yep. is you got out of that pick. Oh, absolutely. All right, let's talk about a couple of guys that we thought were going to be slam dunk picks who ended up realizing their awesomeness. So I've got all the guys that I ranked uh, based on on the aggregated uh, draft data um, as being a five-star player and the ones who are right now thumbs up guys. So that includes one Carlos Stanton. Mm-hmm. Wow, is he having a good year? Robinson Cano. Adam Jones, the aforementioned. Oh, look, another another flatulent fella here. Evan Longoria. Take away the N, and he has uh, he has more than five stars. Um, Lorenzo Kane, your buddy. Thank you, thank you. Carlos Santana playing the guitar pretty well. Smooth. Now, here's a surprising one. Odubel Herrera. That is surprising. He, I mean, he's turning into a legit star, though. Uh, he's... Turning into a legit 
fantasy star, which means that he could very well yeah. go the Jonathan VR route and just one year just just crap the bed. I don't know. I think he flirted with success more last year. Like I think this was I think that there's a clearer line to draw for him than VR into last year. Okay. I see that. Maybe we have long term long term pet box bet. Do you want to have long-term. the a uh, uh, 2018 one? Yeah, we we want to throw that in there. Is this uh wow, end end of 2018? We're like talking about a year from now. <laughs> yeah. End of 2018, I say he's outside of the top 150. Ooh. Ooh, 150. Uh hitters or overall? Overall. I'll add another 10. Yeah, give me 160 and I'll take that. 160. Okay, he'll be outside of the top 160. Speaking of the top 160, Cole Calhoun again as usual. He is effective. It's shocking. I mean, he's fantasy effective again. <laughs> fantasy effective again, yeah. I mean, he needs as the second best option or third best, I guess, depending on how you rank <laughs> Albert Pujols on the team. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's scary. So then we let's just round this out. We got Brandon Belt, Randall Gritchick, Curtis Grant, Randall Gritchick, who was a, a pox to you, Randall Gritchick, Curtis Granderson, Hunter Pence, Matt Holliday, Mike Napoli, and Wellington Castillo. That's not an interesting group of players, Mike. No, it's really not. It's hard to find somebody to get excited about in that list. In that later group. <laughs> it's like, but that's, you know, those are the guys that it, like the analysis said, like these are, these are going to uh, overproduce. So let's then flip the script here. Mm. Preseason, they got five stars from the metric, but right now they're thumbs down players. John Lester, he's ranked 251 by CBS. He was a 60-second pick. Similar story, Justin Verlander. Similar story, Johnny Cueto. I mean, that's sort of the pitching conundrum, right? If they're not, they kind of need the full season to actualize their stats, right? Wait, are you saying that you think that they're going to fix it over the next month and a half? They'll get better. They'll get closer to good on those. Okay. Um, I'll... By that to an extent, but I don't think that you they're can not going to fix everything it. away that way. No, yeah. no, no, no. They're not going to fix it totally. I mean, these are players that are just not. I, I mean, this is sort of the other uh, pitcher problem is like every ace has a down year. So then we got Trevor Story, kind of in his own category there. Of I mean, we'll write stories about Story at the end of the season, I think. Uh, and then you got. A couple of third basemen, Adrian Beltre and Kyle Seeger. Henley, Hanley Ramirez used to be a third baseman as well. Just, I, I think just kind of older guys not quite being healthy at the right times and not producing when they were in the lineup or not producing when they are in the light, lineup. We talked about Adrian Beltre. Mm-hmm. Now that he's healthy, now that he's back, he's going to be a force on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite to the level of... Edwin Encarnacion, as soon as you make a board bet, he just hits dingers. <sighs> I know, I know. So this week, I'm going to say he's going to hit, what, like 20 home runs over the next two weeks, you think? Uh, okay, come on. Let's let's be more <laughs> realistic. 12, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got like 12 home runs. Yeah, I mean, the problem is he is he is, pitch, he is hitting Boston pitching here. So he, oh, he yeah. He's good to well off good. any minute here. And a couple of other players, Ian Kinsler, in a battle with the umpires, Albert 
Albert Pujols, who is in a um, battle with the mirror of Arasad and not able to really move on from his reflection. JBJ, uh, I don't know why he was... I don't know why people were touting him as making a, a step. All right, we got Adrian Gonzalez. Wow, did he take a step back this year. Mm-hmm. Dustin Pedroia, similar. Old man mm-hmm. infield. Russell Martin, continuing that old man infield. And then Devin Travis, just the up, down, up, down, up, down. Of course, he was a late-round pick, so we're talking. I mean, he was picked 288 overall. We thought that was a good pick because he was picked He was picked at 288 and was supposed to be somewhere like, I don't know, 200. All right, well, just to kind of wrap this, wrap this up here, I, I did a little bit of a summary to figure out which teams did well, which teams did poorly. I don't think that, it, to a large extent, this didn't really correlate with success this year. I mean, I had, according to this, I had seven good picks. Only one guy who's right now in the mm-hmm. top 60, which is keepers for us. But I had horribly this year. And then you you have one fewer good pick, but three top 60 picks. But the thing is, is that the top 60 picks don't necessarily correlate with the playoffs either because the two teams that had more top mm. 60 picks, neither one of those made the playoffs. Right, exactly. So what is what are we what are we learning here? What's this bombshell? I think that we're learning that it's the mid I mean, didn't we argue this before that the mid-tier guys are the ones who are driving success? Yes. Yeah, it's having did. it's having that bubble between 100 and 200 basically. Just packing your roster with guys in there, yeah. How'd you like this trend line that I put together on the uh, the scatter of our uh, draft pick placement to current CBS rank? I I actually really like this. It's really interesting. So I put together the scatter that has draft pick to CBS rank, and then I put a trend line in there. Just let Excel do it, do its work. Who knows if it's accurate or not? But it's saying. Y equals 1.3x plus 137 on the intercept. That is that is crazy. So it's saying that roughly it roughly every pick every pick that you make is actually not um, one player worse, but 1.3 players worse. So every every third pick you're um, you're inserting one player in there, right? That's kind of there's one player jumping in. That's a, I mean, that's a really interesting thing. And that really tells you that there is hay to be made as a quality manager. There is hay to be made. That is actually, actually pretty good. All right. So the key takeaway here, I think, is that um, your team is not made or missed on draft day. Mm-hmm. And just don't, don't give up if you have a poor draft. There are a lot of MLB players to keep track of for fantasy, and frankly, sometimes I make mistakes, and we have to clean it up. Here's one such case from this week. You want to start over? Well, who's No, no, no. Who's the Red Sox infielder? You're thinking about Travis Shaw. Yes. We should call Devin Travis Shaw. I, I like that. Devin Travis Shaw? <laughs> I think one and a half good, good fantasy players there. Just, <laughs> you never know which, where, which one should be on your team. Or maybe three quarters of a good fantasy player on your. <laughs> uh, you, you never quite know. They're, I mean, they've both been usable at certain points, but you're right, Devin Travis, yeah. So after looking at the age curves for pitchers two weeks ago, 
This week I decided to fire it all up again and look at the age curves for hitters and try and hit this idea that we've talked about where there's a clear peak in the age curve, you know, the canonical Bill James type idea peaking at 27, 28, and then going from there. All right. So how are we going to attack this? I decided that I'm going to try three different metrics and plotting these all against each other and trying to understand them. And I'm curious to know right off the bat what you think. So here, here are the stats that I picked. I picked strikeouts per plate appearance, walks per plate appearance, and then I picked BABIP as well. Now, let me defend these quick before you say anything. I picked, I picked strikeouts and walks as part of the two of the three true outcomes triangle. And then I decided that I needed some understanding of the randomization here, so I threw BABIP in on top. Now remember, these are going to be season-long totals, so they should be fairly decent sample sizes. What do you think of these three choices? I'm not in love with BABIP being in there. Okay. Just because it's not... I don't I think that it's more random than we give it credit for and from everything that I've read it's a better metric for pitchers what the BABIP against is than it mm. really is for players because geez I mean that really is you really are looking at the aging graph right there aren't you <laughs> Interesting interesting point yeah <laughs> well, you're not looking at the second derivatives there you're looking at the at the derivative yeah, and so I I have some interesting I'm I'm going to present some interesting stuff on that when we get there, but your uh, your criticism is noted here. But that's in part though, that's partly why I chose it because I wanted to get a handle on yep, yeah, of course. whether there was an element of randomization in there, whether maybe if a guy had a an outlier good year in the three true outcomes things, maybe we were seeing that reflected in BABIP in a way that was interesting or compelling in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did as a first plot on these was make up the plane to try and understand sort of what, what numbers were good of all hitters for the 2016 season to try and do the complete, get a complete year sample of walks per plate appearance on the y-axis versus K's per plate appearance on the x-axis. And what you mostly have is a big cluster where the center is about 20% strikeouts per plate appearance and about... 7 or 8% in walks per plate appearance. <laughs> which which is interesting because it tells you that your average MLB player strikes out three times as much as he walks. Wow. Three times yeah. as much. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I don't think I'd ever fully intuited that number. <laughs> strikes out. Wow. That is telling you where the league is going. I colored all of these points. I colored the points in this plot by BABIP just to see what, if something was in there, or BABIP, if you will, And uh, as you can imagine what this looks like, what it looks like is there's no correlation with BABIP in this plane. So it is sort of doing what maybe I intended, which was highlighting individual players and um, whether BABIP can explain any of their outlierness. The eigenvector. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said there. We probably should probably should run some PCA on this. Ooh, that could be a, a weak project. Oh, maybe. there we go. Ooh, <laughs> that, that actually could be exciting. <laughs> Down the line. This is all actually to set up a better understanding of what I'm actually going to plot in the age curves. I, I promised that the topic was actually age curves. And so 
I just have two case studies where I picked a subset of players um, and trying to draw some inferences from this. So what did I do? The first thing that I did was I grabbed this year's top 10 batters off of CBS, the guys that are currently ranked in the top 10, and looked at what uh, what their curves look like over time. Now, you can probably visualize some of this. The elder statesman of the group here is Joey Votto. Mm-hmm. At age 34, he is three he's three years older than the next highest guy. You know, who, <laughs> do you know who the next the next highest guy is in this? This was a big surprise to me, actually. I I have no idea. Not Nolan Arenado. It's not Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado is is young still. He's 26. He's in his age 26 season. So which good. Is yeah, that was good. The guy to lock down. Charlie Blackman is 31. Oh yeah, he came on late. Mm-hmm. Kind of, he came on a little late, like uh, Whit Merrifield. <laughs> oh, get out of here! So if we run this back, <laughs> if we run this back in age, you've got uh, Joey Votto has the longest, the longest tenure in the league. Then you've got Charlie Blackman, then Paul Goldschmidt, then Giancarlo Stanton, then Jose Altuve is older, slightly older than I maybe would have thought he was for coming on as he did. Then you've got Nolan Arenado. Same age, you've got Bryce Harper and Aaron Judge yep. as well. So that rounds Oof, it out. That is a good good thing to remind people. Aaron Judge is the same age as Bryce Harper. Yeah, I know. You like you think, like, oh, Aaron Judge, he's so young and a rookie and coming out of nowhere. And you're like, ooh, Bryce Harper has actually already had... <laughs> like, a career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's really true. So these age curves are interesting, and in part... I'll just tease what I did for the next group, and then I'll come back to talking about this. The next group is I actually picked, um, I tried to go down the list of the top players and pick guys that had actually been in the league for a while so that we got an actual shape to the curve. Okay. So that's sort of where we're going. So when I first plotted the top 10 guys, the interesting thing about the top 10 guys this year is that every trajectory is going in the right direction. Meaning well, every good. every player in the top 10, their Ks are going down. Their K per plate appearance is going down. Their walks per plate appearance are going up. And their BABIP is also going up. And I would argue that for a top 10 player, that that's actually a function of figuring out how to get it done at the plate as opposed to a luck metric. Yeah, no, that would seem to be. The only guy who's actually going down in this, Joey Votto. Is going down in Babip. <laughs> oh, there you go. I don't like. I don't like that. I don't like to see that. I don't like to see that. The other, um, there is there is a guy who's who's low in Babip, which is Giancarlo Stanton. But I think that's probably more of a function of his game than anything else. I mean, he he racks up the Ks at a much higher rate than anybody else in the top ten, except for Aaron Judge. Well, I mean, the the commonality between those two players, though, is that they're hitting more home runs than they have in the past. But so it's interesting. All of these guys are going on upward trajectories. And so I was a little bit surprised by that. And so I went back and looked at a sample that had a bit more age. So I tried to no real metric for the selection here. I just sort of went down the list and thought, oh, that's a guy who's actually older and then went, went on from there. Here's the troubling thing is that Joey Votto is actually the second oldest on this list. So if we're looking at the top, this is basically, basically shook out to be the top 30. And I looked for guys that were age 30 and up. Um, The only other guy who outstrips him on this list, interesting name here, Nelson Cruz. 
Nelson Cruz is so old. He is so old. Even, but he he screens like these other players now. So here's yep. here's the list. Here's the list of thirty year old guys who are actually still out. Thirty plus guys who are actually performing. Daniel Murphy, Andrew McCutcheon, Justin Smoke, Ryan Zimmerman, Nelson Cruz, Joey Votto, Justin Upton. There he is. Yeah, how do you feel about that? You happy that he made the list? <laughs> no, because I wish that he was not 30. <laughs> he, To be fair, he is 30. And he is 30. He just turned 30. The crazy part about Justin Upton is that he actually has the age curve that starts at the youngest age of this group. Jeez, those probiotics that I sent him in the mail, though. I mean, because he 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 was out there. He's got an he's got an age twenty season that tabulated in this, and I I forced it to be guys with more than seventy big league plate appearances in a year before I put them on this list. Uh-huh. He did that at age twenty. It is age I know. twenty year. He's <laughs> been around. Insane. He's been around so long, and just has never realized the promise that he was supposed to. But he's still been a top fifty fantasy player for forever i know it's actually crazy and but you can see it in these numbers why he has that but you can also see a couple warning signs so his k's are Uh higher than the rest of the of this group okay but his so his walks are basically on par and his babip is basically the same now the babip is actually an interesting point which is when you look at this which is that the internal scatter over a year over like year on year if you look at the subset of these 10 guys the internal scatter is larger than the individual scatter on any player, which I think is why you were frustrated about this because you are seeing that element of randomness just appear mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, absolutely. It's not super informative over a career to look at this. Yeah, it would be hard to look at this over a career <laughs> to inform yourself. It's a pretty it's a pretty flat line when you look at when you look at this whole thing. And so I don't know what to make then that sort of recasts my argument from before about the top 10 players that all seem to be trending upwards in BABIP. So I don't know, are we just looking at, are we just seeing the noise there or is there something actually interpretable in that? So I don't know. So the takeaways here would be that I don't think that I've come up with the perfectly orthogonal coordinate system that I was hoping that I'd found. Mm-hmm. K's and walks seem to be something good, and I sort of knew that mixing in BABIP wasn't going to be the right solution, but I was hoping that it would act in some sort of dispersive way. Doesn't seem to be telling us anything, mm-hmm. especially if you look at this over over a career. All right, buddy, so you want to wrap this sucker up? We should, and we should talk about the great American eclipse that you experienced in its totality? Yes, I... Sought the path of totality. It was amazing. I'm surprised that it, the event wasn't sponsored by Corona. Because you got to see a lovely Corona. <laughs> yeah, seeing the Corona of the sun, I, I gotta say, I'm pretty pretty jealous. Something to something to put on a list for the future. But you gotta take those astronomical observations. You get any good data? Uh, I, I have three pictures that I should send you, which is just the same hay bale. And just the um, just the light, the change of the light over the couple of, or the hours that I was there, pretty amazing, yeah. And then the corona, a couple of extra colors. Hopefully, I'm not blind now. I'm told that I could have <laughs> gone blind by staring at it, but whatever. I will say that the solar eclipse. I'm really hoping that my playoff victories, 
my first ever playoff victory does not require another solar eclipse in the future. 2024, buddy. Yeah, which is to say that that's that's the next time that I will get any sort of playoff victory. I'm I'm a little worried. I'm gonna be honest, but this is this is the last time I'm gonna talk about it. I'm not gonna talk about it next week because we'll still be dead in the yeah, middle, middle of the matchup. Uh, two week matchups in our league for the the semifinals and finals. But man, I I gotta say, not a comfortable spot. Clear underdog here. Yeah, no, you are. I, it's, it was a, uh, it was a showing. It was a showing. You did pretty well. I would say that your victory is because you've been doing the podcast with me now for a year and a half, and finally starting to learn some things, putting them, implement them, and unfortunately, we both have rubbed off on each other. I lost <laughs> in the <laughs> in the uh, in the loser bracket. So you, thanks for passing that along to me. Yep. To be fair, I didn't lose in the loser bracket in the first round last year. Like that no, was, well, that, that was, was already under a, about a year of teaching from me. There's a, there's the start of the turnaround. <laughs> yeah, I you know I'm still very clearly a Padawan, but well, we're going somewhere in the future. I know that this is going to be contentious, but it is time for the review session. We've had way too much agreement, so we fudged it a little bit, and we we talked in advance about this topic. Peanut butter, crunchy, creamy, go. Smooth peanut butter. Smooth peanut butter. And I'll add a little wrinkle to this. Are you Jif, Skippy? Which <sighs> side of this this uh, divide are you on? When I was a kid, the ad campaign was not even on still, but my parents would repeatedly say, choosy moms choose Jif. <laughs> <laughs> but they, but the funny part was they said it derisively because we were a Skippy family. <laughs> oh, this guy! Whoa! Oh, you were wrong in so many counts. Yeah. So we were we were crunchy Skippy, crunchy oh. Skippy family. <laughs> wow! Wow! Smooth Jif and what? the only there's only one acceptable. And if you say something about like grinding your own peanuts, I I might just stop this podcast but peter pan oh get acceptable. out of here you knew acceptable Englander. neutral you acceptable knew neutral. oh come on peter pan peanut butter is pretty good but i mean smooth jiff is the way to go smooth jiff a little bit of currant jam on some nice wheat bread oh there you go now that is a sandwich no and the way the way to go is I come on, what is wrong with you? You don't like watching the big grinder spin, grind the peanut butter, it comes out fresh. It is annoying oh that gosh. you have to it is annoying that you have to store it in the refrigerator. I agree. <laughs> I like the shelf stability of Skippy and I will still go there frequently. But what are you even doing? How can you make a peanut butter cookie with smooth peanut butter? You can't. It's the flavor. If you don't like the flavor and just like the texture, then you go with the crunchy. I like the flavor of peanuts. Peanuts God. taste darn good. I uh, th- this might be this might be the furthest apart that we've ever been on a review session, and I think that's saying something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know this one sort of happened by accident, though. I remember that we had this debate <laughs> in, in college at least twice. <laughs> I know. I know. It was so real. Oh, man. I don't know what we're going to do. We're never going to see eye to eye. I think we have to cut the review session at, at that because we're never going to agree. Choosy podcasters choose Jeff. 
I'm sorry, you're wrong. There's nothing to be said. <laughs> All right, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.